Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. As always, you bring up anything if you make the call, 800 259 9231. Starting things out here tonight uh, with a story I briefly, I think I mentioned it on last night's show, but we didn't get a chance to get to it. Talking about education and a fairly mainstream news article that's come out from, I guess, a guy that I think he worked for the Boston Globe. Now he's working at Birmingham. I don't know. Jeff Jacoby, uh, formerly of the Boston Globe. Maybe he's still there. Anyway, it's a great little story that takes a, a real honest look at government education. Really? Far more honest than you would normally see in a in a mainstream press story. So we'll get started here, and then we'd love to hear from you. He says, uh, this is from his article here, Freedom of education being an essential of civil and religious liberty must not be interfered with under any pretext whatever, the party's national platform declared. We are opposed to state interference with parental rights and rights of conscience and education of children as an infringement of the fundamental doctrine that the largest individual liberty consistent that the largest individual liberty consistent with the rights of others ensures the highest type of American citizenship and the best government. We are opposed to state interference with parental rights. That's again from sounds, a party platform. What party do you think that was? Well, that sounds pretty libertarian like to me. It sure does. Well, that ringing endorsement of parental supremacy in education was adopted by the Democratic National Convention in Chicago back in 1892. Okay, I was going to say, that's, that's nothing <laughs> like I've heard from them in quite a while. Exactly, which, as uh, Jacoby says, just goes to show what was possible before the Democratic Party was taken hostage by teachers' unions. Yeah, it's basically anyone giving money to these people, and they're going to pander to them and give them what they want. Now, the the... Democratic Party is not for privatizing education. They really want to protect the teacher unions and um, get in there for government education. Yep, and these teachers unions are just bad news. I mean, they're some of the most powerful Yeah, there's one of the top contributors to the Democratic, and they actually give some money to the Republicans as well. I believe Wondrous to relate, says Jacoby, the platform also warned that, quote, the tendency to centralize all power at the federal capital has become a menace. It also blasted barriers to free trade as robbery of the great majority of the American people for the benefit of the few and pledged relentless opposition to the Republican policy of profligate expenditure. Today on education, as on so much else, the Democrats sing from a different hymnal. When the party's presidential candidates debated at Dartmouth College recently, they were asked about a controversial incident in Lexington, Massachusetts, where a second-grade teacher, to the dismay of several parents, had read her young students a story celebrating same-sex marriage. Were the candidates comfortable with that? Yes, absolutely, former Senator John Edwards promptly replied. I want my children to be exposed to all the information, even in second grade, because I don't want to impose my view. Nobody made me God. I don't get to decide on behalf of my family or my children. I don't get to impose on them what is what it is that I believe is right. None of the other candidates disagreed, even though most of them say they oppose same-sex marriage. Thus, in a little over 100 years, the Democratic Party and much of the Republican Party has been transformed from a champion of parent, uh, parental rights and the rights of conscience in the education of children to a party whose leaders believe that parents don't get to impose their views and values on what their kids are taught in school. But it really gives them no choice. There's, there's, there's one size fits all, and if you're a parent, 
you don't have a choice of what your kids learn. And well, so, unless you can afford to send them to a private school. Well, yes, of course. But these teacher unions are against this. And for the most part, you're jumped upon if you are against public education. Oh, the teachers unions, if they, if they could snap their fingers and tomorrow get rid of all the private schools and force all of the homeschoolers it's to the send their kids to government school, they absolutely would. And it's it's a real tough place to be in, too, especially if you are in the Democratic Party, for instance, and you do recognize the importance of privatizing education. It's difficult for you out there because the teacher union is so powerful. Right. And so there's a lot of pandering going on just to get the money. And yeah, so, what, what candidate can you support, uh, at least from the Democratic side, that is going to be in favor of educational freedom? I know. They're, they're just not out there. It's, I mean, what candidate on the Republican side, aside from maybe Ron Paul? It's is there bigger and bigger government do american parents see anything wrong with that apparently not the majority of them dutifully enroll their children in government operated schools where the only views and values permitted are the ones prescribed by the state but controversies like the one in lexington are reminders that big brother's ideas about what and how children should be taught are not always those of mom and dad Americans differ on same-sex marriage and evolution, on the importance of sports and the value of phonics, on the right to bear arms and the reverence due to the Confederate flag. Some parents are committed secular, uh, secularists. Others are devout believers. Some place great emphasis on math and science. Others stress history and foreign languages. Americans hold dispar uh, disparate opinions on everything from the truth of the Bible to the meaning of the First Amendment from the usefulness of rote memorization to the importance of teaching music, uh, music and art. With parents so often in loud disagreement, why should children be locked into a one-size-fits-all, government-knows-best model of education? It makes absolutely no sense. Why should someone from California be being taught the exact same thing as someone from New Hampshire? They're, not they're just not, the state differences, but, but you know the belief system differences. Uh, exactly. Why should uh, someone who believes in creationism have to be forced to have their student be taught evolution or vice versa? It, there's just no choice in it, and there's no. It takes away parental control. It makes it, it turns kids into just pretty much automatons for what the state wants. Well, one could make the argument, Toby, that, well, we need to expose kids to various different viewpoints. Okay, but how about what the parents decide, not what the state mandates? Yeah, and, and I agree with that, because the fact is that if you give the state, the government, the power to decide school curriculum, inevitably... There may be some areas where they say, okay, we will teach both evolution and creationism at this school. You know, they might say, okay, we're going to have right. them both. But inevitably, there will be areas where it's one or the other. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you don't agree with the curriculum, too effing bad. You have to pay for it anyway. It just takes parents out of the, the involvement with their kids. Well, parents can, can certainly still be involved with their kids, but, but the system in, just sort of discourages that to an extent in right. that... You know, parents are so darn busy paying all the taxes that they have to pay, whether it's state pet taxes or local property taxes or whatever. They're so busy, they just, you know, shove their kids off on the, the establishment, on the school system, and they just, they figure the schools will, will take care of their kids and they won't have to think about uh, right. worrying about what their kids are doing. It's an entire mindset of you're not, you don't even have to decide what kind of an education your kid wants because there's only one education for them to get. Right, it's already on, been decided. It's already been decided, so hands off. Don't don't worry about it. Don't, you don't need to be deciding what you want your kids to learn because the government's going to do it for you. 
Now, of course, uh, even though it's been decided for now, it could certainly change next year because there are still some parents that do care enough to try to uh, institute their curriculum in the local school board. So they go and they form lobbying groups and they go to the school board meetings and they talk to the bureaucrats and they, they try to push to get their agenda through. So things will change over time, but it's still not in a market-based um, mechanism where each parent gets what they want by sending their kids to the school that they've chosen. Right. It's one group of parents that happens to get into power. Maybe some of them get elected to the school board and then they institute their way over top of everybody else. And it's to the detriment of what other people want. The sure. other people who wanted the other view being taught now don't have it because there's no two ways to teach it if the parents aren't deciding where they're going to send their kids. Well, not only is, the, is it detrimental in that way, but it's also detrimental to the parents that might even get their, uh, their curriculum. Let's say, you are, let's say you're a parent that gets your curriculum instituted. You've won. You've yes. defeated the, uh, the other groups and the school board has adopted your curriculum. But you haven't really won anything because education Educational quality is still piss poor. It's still government that's educating your kids. You just happen to get your curriculum instituted. That doesn't mean your curriculum is necessarily the best, and we'll never find out whether it's the best or not because it's yours that won, so nobody else's are able to actually compete. No one else is able to step into the marketplace and offer something drastically different, offer some new way of learning, offer something that you know has never been seen before, something innovative. So there's no competition going on, so therefore, even if you get to go on for the next 50 years, with teaching your you know creationism or whatever it is that you want to teach, no one else gets to say anything about that. No one gets to compete, and so you never really get to find out whether or not your methods are truly the most effective, even if you do win the contest. Right. More on the way here from uh, Mr. Jacoby. He's got some uh, uh, final, uh, very good points to make on this issue of governmental education of your kids. 1-800-259-9231. would love for you to chime in, especially if you're a member of the teachers' union, though. I don't expect you to pick up the phones. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are for free. We've got the live streams. Broadband version of the show and a dial-up version both for free at freetalklive.com. Sound money is under attack. The Liberty Dollar offices were raided by the FBI and Secret Service on November 14th. All of its precious metals, computers, and records were seized. Your help is urgently needed. Go to libertydollar.org and sign up for their updates and register for their lawsuit. Don't let the government steal your money and destroy the Liberty Dollar. Go to libertydollar.org. We are talking about uh, the education system. In this country, and just how how dismal it is, and just awful. Uh, the fact is, you put the government in charge of anything, you shouldn't be surprised when it screws it up. Right. They they have no incentive not to screw it up. There's no competition out there for parents to be like, well, I'm taking my kids out of school and going to the competition. You're right. At least not one that they have to pay out of pocket for, basically pay for education twice. That's not to say that the people that work for government schools are necessarily bad. No, not at all. And there's some really good teachers in there that unfortunately are trapped by the school and the bureaucracy and right. the whole system that they're in. 
And there are some really bad ones as well that are also trapped there by the bureaucracy because once they stay mm-hmm. for more than a certain number of years, you basically can't get rid of them. And chances are the bad ones are paid just as much as the really right. good ones. Because there's no merit-based pay and there is uh, pay based on tenure. So yeah. the longer they're there, the more they get paid, which isn't how it works in the real world. Oh, no. Uh, so they're, they're like sort of isolated in this ivory tower of uh, academia and it really just needs to it just needs to end uh the government needs to get the hell out of education because these are your kids we're talking about this is their the, i mean these are their formative years this is when they can absorb the most information of their entire life and you're letting the government handle this job no we've seen anyone who's just gotten their driver's license can easily see how badly the government screws up just sure. the bureaucracy there and how you would let the same people who right. are in charge of driver's licenses what be in the the charge you of your kids. Yeah, get, get your kids out. If they're in government schools, do whatever it takes to uh, to get them out. Uh, in the meantime, we continue with uh, Jeff Jacoby, who, by the way, is still a columnist for the Boston Globe. His uh, story here on government education. He points out that parents are so different. Uh, Parents believe different things, you know, about everything from the First Amendment to different types of learning, rote memorization, importance of music and art, history, foreign languages, some like math and science. Parents have different viewpoints. And he points out that with parents so often disagreeing with one another, why should children be locked into a one-size-fits-all, government-knows-best model of education? Nobody would want the government to run 90% of the nation's entertainment industry. Can you imagine that? Oh, that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> Government-made movies? I mean, nothing would ever get done. You'd get, like, one movie a year instead of hundreds, if you're lucky. Nobody thinks that 90% of all housing should be owned by the state. Yet the government's control of 90% of the nation's schools leaves most Americans strangely unconcerned. But we should be concerned. Not just because the quality of government schooling is so often poor or its costs so high, not just because public schools are constantly roiled by political storms, and not just because schools backed by the power of the state aren't accountable to parents and can ride roughshod over their concerns, and not just because the public school monopoly, like most monopolies, resists change, innovation, and excellence. All of that is true, but a more fundamental truth is this. In a society founded on political and economic liberty, government schools have no place. Free men and women do not entrust to the state the molding of their children's minds and character, as we wouldn't trust the state to feed our kids or to clothe them or to get them to bed on time. Neither should we trust the state to teach them. What 19th century uh, century Democrats understood, 21st century Americans need to relearn. Education is too important to be left to the government. I couldn't agree more. Uh, And I as well, because it is really just so critical. I mean, this is why we're in such a bad way today. Really. As soon as the the government really got involved is when you can see the progression of the tyranny of the state. You can certainly see the progression of the tyranny of the state, and you can also see the sort of the regression, if you will, of the intelligence of the American youth. Yep. I mean, it seems like generation after generation, not even, I mean, it's happening even faster than generations, like class after class, year after year, it just keeps getting worse. Ever since the 1950s, when the Department of Education was created and the federal government centralized everything. Well, yeah, I mean, it was bad before because the government was still involved before that, but the more centralized it is, the worse things right. get. Um, and, of course, then they, you know, they're handing down their diktats and their mandates uh, that all the states and the local governments have to follow. So it essentially homogenized uh, education ever more than it had ever been. And if you look at the statistics, 
it's clear that the test scores continue to drop while the funding from the federal government continues to go up. Right. It costs more to educate kids than it ever does before, than it ever did. Then why are we not seeing better educated kids? It's well, we know why. Of it's course. because it's not just about the money. Though that's what the teachers unions will tell you. They'll tell you that we we're underfunded. Yep. But yet, private schools manage to oftentimes teach for much less money and get much better results. It's true. And homeschoolers uh, even do better than private schoolers. Some of the top homeschooled kids get their whole education the entire year for uh, just a few hundred dollars a year. Not to mention that their teacher, though, is the greatest... their parent is the greatest teacher they can have. Right. Some people, I think, are very cynical about homeschool. You know, they'll say, oh, well, they're teachers. They're, you know, their parents are really good teachers. You can't just have every parent go out and homeschool their kids. Well, unfortunately, in the society where we live, where oftentimes both parents are required to be working in mm-hmm. order to pay all the bills and pay all their taxes. But in households where one parent can stay home and teach the kids, you get some pretty smart kids out of it. I have to say that the the homeschooled kids I have seen, their parents certainly aren't educational scholars necessarily. No, you don't uh, need to be. But apparently not, because You're, their kids are brilliant for and, how old they are. And what I've found, one of the most important things in teaching is teaching kids how to learn and how fun it is to learn. And mm-hmm. that's what you see a lot of homeschool parents doing, is letting the kids explore on their own and do their own learning, where... That's not how it is in the public schools. In the public schools, you're sitting at a desk, staring out the window, waiting for the day to end. Yep, you get your syllabus or whatever, and they tell you what you're going to learn. And if you don't like it, well, too bad. You have to learn it anyways, and it's just... I can tell you, that turned me off, man, as sort of just being an anti-authoritarian from birth. I mean, I've sort of always (laughs) been this way. Uh, I don't like it when you tell me I have to do something. I don't care if the book's good. I don't like it. A lot of kids don't either. Right. (laughs) Kids are are in a rebellion stage, and unfortunately, some of them do just throw the book. I mean, I'm not saying education is completely important for everyone, but it is important to get an education. But uh, so a lot of kids just throw it out the window with this government system that they don't agree with and don't get any education. Yeah, and then they hunker down for the next 12 years or whatever, or 10 years, however long they're left in the system, and they just they get through it. Yeah, they don't want to go out and learn what interests them on their own. Well, they probably wouldn't have time to do that. (laughs) But yeah, you're right. It does kill their initiative. It does kill um, their interest in learning things. There are certain things like uh, Julia, my girlfriend. She will point out from time to time uh, certain. Certain issues will come up, and she'll just say she's not interested because, well, when she was in school, they wanted her to learn these things, and she didn't want to learn them, and she's still not interested in, in learning them after the fact. And I found that to be true for me to some extent, but I've really discovered that learning is fun after I got out of government school because then I could pick the topics that I wanted exactly. to learn and study them to my heart's content online with all kinds of information available at my fingertips. I like to learn again, but I only found that on my own. It was not the help of any government school teacher that that, uh, resulted in that. Yeah, one size does not fit all. Kids need to be able to learn on their own and explore on their own. 800-259-9231. Coming up, your calls. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. 
That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features there we give away, including the uh, wiki with over 1,500 pages created by listeners like you. Go and edit it to your heart's content. Wiki.freetalklive.com. WIKI.freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. 800-259-9231. Let's go to the phones. Talk to Dwight in Idaho. Dwight, you're on Free Talk Live on the amp line. Hi, guys. How you doing? Super. What's on your mind, sir? Well, um... I've got a great news story. The uh, uh, we, t- we were talking about education. Let's talk about the education of, of our police officers. Okay. And um, the most recent, this is uh, from uh, KTVB.com, our local news station. The most recent graduates of the Idaho Police Academy chose a slogan that's stirring controversy. <laughs> it read, quote, don't suffer from PTSD. Go out and cause it. Yeah, we actually uh, we actually covered that story the very end of the show last night, and it is outrageous. Uh, the, the, basically, what what they do is the, the whole class of police academy graduates. In this case, I think there were forty three of them. Forty three graduates. They all have to agree on their class slogan. And so that's what they came up with. And these are the police that are going to be out there, supposedly protecting and serving. Right. Yeah, that's right. what their attitude is. We're going to go out and cause you some PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder. Cause trauma. That's right. essentially what they're saying. It, the the the, uh, the blinders are completely off now. They don't even speak in propaganda anymore. It's just completely uh, open, naked force. Yeah, this is just the us versus them. That thin blue line. It's it's not even. They don't even pretend it doesn't exist anymore. Yep. It's well, now the rest of the story there talks about how the uh, the officials were backtracking as soon as they found out that that was the uh, the official hope so. uh, class slogan. <laughs> but it's still the people who are doing it. The right. people who are out on the street. Forty three of them agreed to do this. Yeah, exactly. So the officials, but the officials were only backtracking because they got caught. I guarantee, yep. if there was no news story, there would have been no backtracking. Yep, exactly right. And as Toby said, even if they hadn't have published that. You still now know exactly what these people are thinking about. Even if their class slogan was to protect and serve, then you'd still you now we know what they're really thinking and what's going on in their heads is that these people that we serve are actually scum, we're better than they are, and we're going to make their lives living hell. Well, this, see this is why when I always talk about when I always talk about the legalization of drugs and stuff that people are like, "Well, you don't want, you know, methamphetamine addicts living next door to you." I would tell them, look, I'm terrified when I go out of of the house. I'm not afraid of meth addicts. I'm afraid of state troopers. Those are the people that scare me. Yeah, well, meth addicts if, don't bother me at all. Absolutely, a meth addict is just going to sit in his house and get high and you know clean and stuff. Uh, <laughs> really, the only threat that you face from a meth addict is if he runs out of money for his drugs. That's when there's a problem, and the only reason he's running out of money is because he's paying black market prices, which are drastically inflated above where they would normally be in the marketplace. If methamphetamine was completely legal, it would be as you know cheap as caffeine or yeah. something like that. Yeah, nicotine, one of the most addictive drugs out there um we don't see people getting knocked up for a pack of cigarettes people aren't going out and robbing houses for a pack of cigarettes because it's legal exactly dwight any other thoughts tonight 
No, that's it. I just uh, wanted to make sure you guys got that story. Since I live in Boise, I saw that yesterday and thought this is perfect for Free Talk Live. Very good, sir. You were right. We beat you to it, though. It's still always worth bringing up again. Thanks for the call, man. 800-259-9231. Since we're talking cops, uh, let's talk about an interesting little scheme that they've come up with. This in Columbus, Ohio. ABC News reporting Robin Garrison, an off-duty 42-year-old firefighter, was walking in Berliner Park in Columbus, in May, when he saw a woman sunbathing topless under a tree. He approached her, and they started talking, getting comfortable. The woman smiling and resting her foot on his shoulder at one point. She's friendly. <laughs> Eventually, she asked to see Garrison's penis. He unzipped and unzipped, unzipped his pants and complied. Seconds later, undercover police officers pulled up in a van and arrested Garrison. He was later charged with public indecency a misdemeanor based on video footage taken by cops who are targeting men having sex or masturbating in the park. Oh, was, this was a sting? It was a sting operation. <laughs> oh, my God. And this is what they're spending their baffling. time on. And how is this not entrapment? Well, that's what the uh, firefighter is suggesting. He's saying he was entrapped. Uh, while topless sunbathing is legal in the city's parks, exposing more than that is against the law. The case is just one of the more extreme examples of police stings aimed at luring people into committing crimes, a tactic that's resulted in hundreds of arrests, many convictions, and plenty of controversy. But the part they leave out in the story is that each arrest and conviction results in... Court costs and yes. all kinds of fines and money for the system. It just goes to show how how the system works. They're not there to protect people. They're nope. there to create criminals. Well, now let's let law enforcement speak for themselves here. They say that such sting operations are extremely effective means of lowering crime rates and stopping the criminally minded before they commit worse offenses. Oh, yeah. This guy was on the track to some bad news. Yeah, he was about <laughs> to rape her, actually, apparently. That's what he suggests. That's what this guy is suggesting, is that this guy was going to go out and rape somebody had they not caught him pull his, you know, pulling his penis out in the public park. Man, I... What single guy, a single guy walking through the, I'm not saying maybe he's not single, but guy walking yeah. through the park sees a topless woman who's interested. This is just nature taking its course. She asked him, <laughs> she asked him to see his, uh, his unit. Anyway, uh, uh, they, uh, from early 2006 to the spring of 2007, there were 160 citations for public indecency in the city, according to an investigation by 10TV News. Among those who were caught in the stings, an Ohio State University doctor, clearly uh, a rapist on his off hours, government employees, and a retired highway trooper. But such operations veer dangerously close to entrapment, say lawyers, civil libertarians, and defendants who've been caught in sting operations. At Garrison's trial, again, this guy's a uh, you know fireman in town. His attorney argued it was the case. Uh, it was a case of entrapment. Columbus police utilized this topless woman to snare this man. He sees her day after day, and he's not some seedy pervert. The argument failed to sway a Franklin County Municipal Court jury. Wow. <laughs> It's, Why? This is what makes me so hopeless, is the jury's convicting people of these right. things. They this, go right along with it. This thing should have been thrown out. You know what they do, though? I mean, the, the lawyers, they have the ability to, uh, they, they got the voir dire process mm -hmm. where they can reject potential jurors for any old reason they want to. They don't even have to give a reason. Yeah, they pick the automatons who will listen to ju judge based on right. what the law is, not on what you think is right or wrong. Right, so they'll ask, you know, in a, in a question about public, in, or a, a trial about public indecency, they'll probably ask the potential jurors questions like, how do you feel about being naked in public? Yeah. And so anybody that says, oh, I'm fine with it. <laughs> You're out. And not, so, not really a jury of your peers. <laughs> no, definitely not. In this case, it's probably a jury of prudes. 
uh, because the, because they found him guilty of public indecency. He was ordered to stay away from the park, placed on a year's probation, and fined two hundred and fifty dollars. Well, is he is, did he get put on the sex offenders list? That's a good question. It doesn't specify that. I presume that. Because this type of charge can really mess up someone's life. You better it, it believe it. It can take someone who's having a perfectly normal uh, life, who's a good member of society, and totally flip right. them around to getting them kicked out of where they're living sometimes. Now he's under move. investigation now. As far as his job is concerned, he remains on paid desk duty while the fire department conducts an internal investigation as to his behavior. The fire chief says, we want to be held to a higher standard, and we're in the community every day, and we put our best foot forward, but sometimes we stumble and make a mistake. We, we, we. You know, would you stop with this collectivist crap? Each of your firemen is an individual, and they each might, you know, they each have a chance of making a mistake. But in this case, his mistake was, what, talking to a pretty lady in the park and doing what she asked him to do? I know. The sting never should have been set up in the first place. Right. Garrison couldn't be reached for the comment. That's the fireman. Shemansky plans to appeal the verdict, oh, that's his lawyer, uh, on the grounds that the jury wasn't instruction, instructed on the definition of entrapment. This story continues, though. 800-259-9231. Uh, more about these uh, sort of entrapment techniques that the police are using. And, of course, no one actually has committed a crime against anyone else's person here. Yeah, where's no the victim? Right, where indeed is the victim? Of course, it's going to be the state that is supposedly the victim, and that's a whole other issue. We'll get to that. Your calls as well. Whatever's on your mind goes, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Toby. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free, so enjoy those on us if you like the show. And you want to help support Free Talk Live, then head on over and become a Free Talk Live amplifier. Just go to amp.freetalklive.com to get on board with the program. Uh, It is... Stands for advertise, market, and promote, and the idea is that since we give you, give you all the features on the website for free, uh, that this is above and beyond all that. It's a great way for you to help the show get on more radio stations across the country. Uh, so go to amp.freetalklive.com. Send us three bucks a month. You'll get perks too, like access to the amp only call in line chat room uh, forum. All the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com. Great way to help out the show, and it's completely voluntary. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Now then, we're talking about police. Trickery. And this is just the lowest of the low uh, as far as they've been tricking uh, tricking people in Ohio with a topless lady hanging out in one of those city parks, uh, which apparently is completely legal, which I think is great, by the way, that you yeah, can be awesome. topless in the park. Uh, but they've put a topless woman in the park, and they've instructed her to be very flirtatious. They've instructed her to chat up uh, potential males that are uh, are walking by and, you know, sort of ensnare them and bring them close to her and then touch them and stuff and then ask them to take their penis out. Yeah, and and it's just asking guys to go against their their instincts. Right. <clears throat> the, apparently, they're committing a crime by by doing what this woman asked them to do. Right. And uh, I mean, maybe it, it's it's. The guys shouldn't be doing this in the middle of the park, but who's causing them to do it in the first place? Right. It's not very likely that he's flashing it around to everyone um, who's in the near vicinity. No, chances are he's trying to keep it as discreet as possible. He's, He's probably just trying to show it to the young lady 
per her request. Yes, she asked him to. Right, and it's at that point that the you know the squad comes in, rushing in with their handcuffs to to arrest the guy, and he's not the only one that this has happened to. So really, I mean, there's there's so many different issues here. Of course, there's the main issue that the ABC News story is focusing on, and that is that some people are saying this is entrapment, and I think they're right. There's that issue, and then there's the other issue of as we just pointed out, where's the victim? Yeah, there, there's these victimless crimes that um, the cops are focusing so much time on. What's it getting us besides costing us money and making criminals out of everyday, normal, innocent people? Well, it, it certainly gets the system money because they get to charge people court costs and fine them and that sort of thing. In this mm-hmm. case, the guy had a $250 fine to pay. Uh, he's also got something on his record now, and it's possibly going to lose him his, his job as a fireman. But uh, so the cops get money in, the system gets money in. But what we don't know is how much they're spending on the outlay. We don't know how much they're paying the cops. You know, if they're paying them overtime or whatever. They right. got, they've got a squad of guys. They're paying the woman under the tree. They're paying you, you know whoever it is that's operating the surveillance equipment to record this because they caught the guy on tape. So they've got a surveillance van out there. I don't know how much that costs, but they've got you know probably at least a couple guys running the surveillance van. You've got probably a couple more guys that are out there to. Act actually do the arrest because you can't have the guys in the van monitoring run out to do the arrest you got to have somebody nearby for that so i'm i'm guessing there's probably at least four cops involved plus the topless woman yeah and I mean, let's not to that doesn't even bring into account what happens afterwards taking the guy to trial paying for uh the prosecution sure. to and the whole court system cost the judge right <laughs> i mean how much are we really trying to spend to create these there's, criminals? There's right. There's no way to really estimate, at least from from our position, how mm-hmm. much this is costing taxpayers. Uh, but you know, the fact is, th- these are victimless crimes. No one is being harmed. He's not like th- th- this guy was not arrested flashing a little girl or something like that, where at least you could make the argument that, you know, he was ruining her mind or something right. by showing her mm-hmm. his uh, member. Uh, this woman asked for it. I mean, what? How? how much closer to entrapment can you get? And why are the police out there trying to get... Like, the whole, like, uh, this kind of thing drives me crazy. I was watching Cops the other night. I was on vacation in Florida and had mm-hmm. some TV to finally watch. I don't re- normally watch TV, but I was watching Cops, and it was an entrapment... Uh, Scheme very similar, except they were doing little small five dollar bags of marijuana, and it just. What were drew, they doing with them? Uh, they were having. Uh, they had a car out there selling them to people who would come up on the street, mm-hmm. and then they'd take the person's car and everything. Uh, oh man! <laughs> for five dollars worth the asset forfeiture for five dollars worth of marijuana. I'm just sitting there watching it. Like, what are they getting out of this? How is society becoming better? By putting these people in the system, ruining these people's lives. It's not, and it's not their goal to make society better. That's sort of the glossy sheen. Right. That they That's try what to we're being told, though. Right. The the commentary on there is like cleaning up the streets and all this stuff. And Just nonsense. It's disgusting. It made me really happy. I don't have TV and I'm not subject, right. subjected to that kind of crap. The, the, the goal is to uh, is to make money for the department. Is to bring in arrests. And to bring people into the system, because once you arrest them, then if it's just like a $5 bag of marijuana, they're probably not going to spend much more than a night Mm -hmm. in jail on that, but they will get some probation. And they got the person's car, every single person. They forfeited their car for just the one thing. There was the one sad story of the guy, it's like, it's my dad's car, I was borrowing it to go to the store. They're like, sorry, you were driving it. It's ours now, kid. (laughs)
Uh, so essentially, they're just behaving like a criminal gang. I mean, it's just this is gang mentality. They have the power. They've got guns. They're willing to use them in order to separate people from their money and separate them from their possessions. In the cases of the car, mm-hmm. I mean, car after car after car. That's thousands. Of, they can they can rack up thousands of dollars in one night just on the cars they can confiscate and auction later on. Yeah, and they, sometimes they get to use them themselves. I was down sure. in down in Florida on vacation and saw some pretty nice cars, not normal cop cars, and all. Mm-hmm. I could think is oh that probably came from asset forfeiture you know you don't see a lot of ferraris with blue lights on them that the police department's going to buy themselves exactly so nobody's lives are being improved by this except for the you know the administrators in the police department who get a supplemented budget as a result of uh, taking people's money and possessions from them this is nothing more than uh, just a scam it's nothing more than robbery yeah, it's criminal. There's very little uh, in the definition of a criminal in what these people are doing. If an outsider was to look on this, someone who is, who had no idea what our society was about and mm-hmm. looked at them versus a criminal, how could they tell the difference? I don't know. And that's a great question. If you can answer it, 800-259-9231. There's actually more to the story. The, the story then goes on to, to talk about the, uh, the New York situation that we talked about recently on this program where the NYPD has been putting bags and wallets, uh, shopping bags, for instance, containing a cell phone or an iPod or an Xbox 360. They'll put a bag down in the subway and they'll just sit there and wait for someone to pick it up. Is that against the law to pick it up? Apparently it is. It's kind of like the the good saying of locks keep honest people honest. I mean, <laughs> why are we putting it, the tempting people like this? <laughs> because, they, again, they want the money. They want the, the, the arrests. The uh, In this particular case, they left uh, a bag with an Xbox 360. Someone came by and picked it up, of course, and said here that, uh, I guess one of these lawyers said, it's pretty straightforward, this is a police-created crime. He defended a man who took a bag containing the Xbox, a Sprint cell phone, and and cash. The police set this whole thing up. They shouldn't be doing that and luring people into this situation, especially in this age of terrorism where the transit system's telling you to be on the lookout for suspicious bags. The judge agreed with the lawyer, acquitting his client, saying the police should concentrate their noble efforts. I don't know if I agree they're noble. But the police should concentrate their noble uh, efforts on behalf of the city on countering real crimes committed every day. I mean, even some of the judges are saying, what the hell are you guys doing? (laughs) What are you bringing before me in my courtroom? They don't need to manipulate a situation where temptation may uh, may overcome even people who would normally never think of committing a crime. And it's tough thinking of what I would do in one of these situations. I mean... I don't know. Who's to say the guy wasn't picking it up to turn it in somewhere even, to take it right. to the authorities? I, I don't think they give them enough of a chance right. to find that out. It, it's it's baffling. And what these the, these bureaucrats do, what the cops do, is they then after they have all these arrests, they can show their statistics and their, their inflated numbers about how much they've been cracking yeah. down on crime. You're right. That's another good uh, point. Yep. They can grow their bureaucracy even bigger. It says here the definition of entrapment is a police activity that includes, induces rather, somebody to commit a crime that they otherwise wouldn't do. It's not entrapment to give someone an opportunity to commit a crime. So the the police are basically playing on the outskirts of the, the definition of entrapment here, the legal definition. Uh, they explain that entrapment involves an officer cajoling and persuading someone who's resistant to the idea of committing a crime. Just preying on a predip, uh, predisposition is not necessarily entrapment. I don't know. It's it's pretty close, and it, it doesn't really be 
seem to go with the spirit of the law anyways. I think it's despicable, and I think that, again, if we had, if the government wasn't involved in protection, if we had marketplace protection where people were, were hiring, comp, you know, hiring organizations to protect them, their life, their liberty, and their property, then that's all those companies would be doing. Well, they yeah, there would have to be a victim. Nonsense. There would have to be a victim for right. someone to be going after them. Someone would have to be able to complain about something. Yeah. 1-800-259-9231. Is that outrageous for us to suggest that there needs to be a victim in order for there to be a crime? I mean, that used to be the definition of crime until government got in charge of it. More on the way. Hour two's coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. We'll talk the Amish. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. As we launch into hour number two of the program, it's Ian here with you. And Toby. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The feature's there. We give away. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Don't forget to join Toby over on his website, freemindstv.com. He is a, a TV anchorman. Outside of this program. We do a little show, cover as many of the same issues you cover right here on Free Talk Live. Yep, it's good stuff. Uh, so go to freemindstv.com to see what he's up to. In fact, you guys are going to be launching your own audio podcast soon, are you not? Yes, we already release our, all our TV shows as audio podcasts, but we're going to start doing a supplementary podcast right. to that. So we're just waiting for the equipment, which is in the mail. Cool, cool. So that's, I'm guessing, going to be a New Year sort of project for you guys. Yes, it is, and we're looking forward to it. Excellent. We go right into the phone calls here. Uh, let's start with Paula in Florida. Paula, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Good evening, hon. Hey, there was something, a few things I want to mention about your girlfriend. I mean, she is a very sweet person. But I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. She needed to stand up and fight these people. Because I'm going to tell you something, hon. This is what God would have wanted her to do. And <laughs> she got to where she got because of you know who she is and the way she is. And the thing is, is that God would have wanted her to stand up and fight. Are you referring to my girlfriend, Julia, yeah. in yeah. her run for city council? She did a good thing. She really did. And she should have stuck with it. And she should have just... Well, she did stick with it. Yeah, no, she's I meant just... so as far as, you know, that tell her don't give up. Yeah, because she's thinking about throwing in the towel and not doing it again no, in 2009. No. God wants you to stand up and fight the evil. I think okay? I think it would be more powerful to tell her that Paula wants her to stand up and, and <laughs> well, fight no, the honey, evil. I'm telling you, this is what God says. He said you have to stand up and fight the evil. <laughs> did you ask him? It's right in your Bible. Oh, okay. See, Toby, anyway, what do you know? Some answers I want to give you to some things that you well, brought up earlier today okay. about okay. that Ron Paul knows why 9-11 happened. What? And it's right there in your book, your That's Bible. That's not our show. My 30, okay? And God says, and this is on my book from the House of David, too, that I'm following. You're not going to read Bible quotes, no, are you, No, I'm Paula? not. I'm just going to okay. tell you. He right. said, you've turned your back on me. He said, because you're evil and you're corruption. He calls it a very severe... Uh, injury or sore he put on he said there's no there's no healing for it there's no medicine for it he said you've turned your back on me he says if when you when i hear from you he says i'll heal your land and he allowed this now wait what is this what, in reference to i think 9 well, i'm gonna tell you so we are the true israel here okay we are the true jerusalem look at the word jerusalem usa okay what? but anyway the thing is is that we are his children <laughs> and, he's, and, and he's very upset with us yeah and the thing is we're going through punishment right now Hmm. And, you know, this thing about, they've been talking about a, a food shortage, it's right there in your Bible. 
food shortage. And the, and the, and the Where's this? For, wait, wait, what? Where'd you hear about a food shortage? There is. There's going to be a food shortage. Okay. What? Came oh, over okay. the facts. So wait, this is a prediction. <laughs> Are you no, predicting uh, something? It's, we've already been told there's going to be a food shortage. Who's we and who told you? People that know about it. Is this, I've even heard on the air also. Okay, on the radio also. That doesn't mean anything. Don't believe everything you hear, Paul. No, I'm saying that it's in the Bible also. Oh. Okay. So you're telling says, me now this is great because I had asked you before when you called 30. it. That's okay. I don't have one of those and things. And it'll tell you uh, exactly. And also Hosea 7 and Ezekiel oh, uh, 7. Paula. Paula got a new fax today. Now look. <laughs> now look. Uh, when you've called in before, I've asked you, because you like to talk about how the Bible allegedly predicted all of these past events. You know, everything from uh, George Bush being elected to, you know, 9-11 happening. Uh, and I, I've asked you in the past for uh, for an actual prediction for the future, and you were reluctant to give it. But tonight you have done so. Tonight you have said that in the Bible it predicts a food shortage. Now, does it specify where the food shortage will happen? Paula, did we lose Paula? Oh, Paula, don't go away. Oh, Paula's <laughs> never hung up the phone. There must have been something terrible that occurred. No, <laughs> oh, there she still is. Here. Oh, okay. So, but the wh- thing is, you need to get in your Bible, and it tells you everything is going to happen. I don't happen. have a Bible, Paula. I, uh, now, I'm serious, you're, hon. You're, you're going to have to be my expert here, Paula. What I want to know God's is child. I want to ask more questions about the prediction so we can you're really God's understand child. it. It's right there in your Bible. Great. I don't have one, so you have to tell me, well, okay? you need to get one no, very quickly because they've got them you on the internet. Anyway, uh, okay, hey, what I'm I want to know, Paula. I'm to help you, okay? And I appreciate that. Now, I want you to help me with a simple answer to a question. What? The question is, where is the food shortage going to happen? Is it worldwide? Is it India? Is it America? Where is it going to happen? It's going to be here. Here in America? Okay, us and the European countries, because see, we are all the true Israelites. We're all one family, and we're all under punishment right what, now. What about the people who are immigrating in here, who, are, <laughs> who are come from all is, different parts of the world? Are leaving here, but the thing is, if you read in the Bible, it'll tell you the whole thing. So only and white people are going to starve? No, is that I what you're saying? Say, I said, God, read the Bible and it will tell you. It will yelling it, it louder you. is not going to make <laughs> me I'm more sorry, likely just, to do it. I'm just trying to be what I'm know, just trying to I help know. You, okay? Now, wait a minute. Let me just understand this. So you're saying that people in America and Europe are going to be suffering a food shortage. What will cause the food shortage? Because, okay, the whole world has turned against us right now. That Everybody may be true. Everybody has backed away from us. And they're even going to stop the shipping of food, too. Why would but they the, do that? Because they have turned against us. But no, Paula, if you don't understand money. economics. <laughs> it's in Jeremiah 30. I, but it's, but it's they the didn't understand third, economics the either, then, okay? The verse of Jeremiah, of Jeremiah 30 Paula, tells you exactly why. The people that are making food products in a, in a, all around the world, they, they want to sell those products. And they They've don't really the care the what... They may not like Americans necessarily. They, they probably is, it's, it's probably the case they don't like the government and they like Americans. But anyway, they probably don't like the American government very much. But that's not going to stop them. Okay. It's not going let to give enough economic else. disincentive for right. them to let stop selling us food. Let me explain something, okay? In Ezekiel... God tells you why, and he's, he's left something here for us to keep us from going hungry. Well, what do we have he to do? He knew this was going to happen. Well, mm-hmm. what, what do we have children. to do, Paula? What do we have to do to stop Read this? Read Ezekiel thirty four twenty nine, and it'll tell you. So, we don't have time for that. <laughs> you need to take the time. Paula, you've got to help. You've got to understand. I know you're frustrated. I, I'm not trying to be ornery here. I'm just telling you there are people in the world that don't have access to the Bible like you're talking about. They don't right, know. You know is, they don't okay, run a hotel. There are no Gideons read. coming by to give them free Bibles. So they, if, if there's a there secret here, 
that God has left for us. He said that we will not go hungry in the land. And the oil from this plant is what's going to keep you alive. Is it marijuana seeds? Hemp the seeds? oil. It's in Ezekiel There's 34, oil in 29. That. Yeah. So, so you're going to drink up. oil and stay alive? And I mean, I will rate, Yes, it does everything. We've been taking it. You don't even get hungry. You have all sorts of... It has wow. everything in it for Magic the body. Magic oil. It your body. And he says, and I will raise up for them a plant of renown, and they shall be no more consumed with now, hunger in the land. Now, wait a minute, Paula. Let me see if I've got this straight. So you're saying there's going to be mass, they're going to be hunger yes, because the be, food yes. supply it's is going to dry up. Yes. Now, this plant, does it exist now? Yes, it does. It's being, it's being sent here from Canada right now. They have, right it. <laughs> <laughs> they have it in Canada, but nowhere else in the world? No, they have it, but Canada is making it. Getting the oil for us so that we'll have What it. is the plant called, Paula? What is it's the called name? a hemp seed oil. Uh, that's what it's called. I was right. <laughs> yes. That's Honey, awesome. God left it here. I, I agree. Fact, I agree, Paula. <laughs> it, actually, it actually heals your body. It has all the oils to clean your blood to get all the cholesterol out. You know, it, it does everything that your body's got to have. Hey. Paula, you know, I like the hemp seed oil. I've had some of the hemp seeds before. Wayne's kind of like a greeny nut. Mm-hmm. He brings in this groopy stuff, and well, uh, he's giving me some of it. And it's not God the tastiest stuff in the world, but it does have some of the omega-3s or whatever in it, which is supposed to be really good for you. God though, gave it to you. Though, to Paula, I don't think hungry. it has all the necessary vitamins and minerals that one, necess- one needs to, uh, it to live. Everything. It's not exactly a balanced diet. No. But the thing is, though, is to keep you from going hungry. That's a good thing. It'll also make you very hungry. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Not the oil, it doesn't. No. Uh-uh. We've been taking it does not. You do not get hungry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, but I'll Paula. tell you, God gave it to you. And When's this going to happen? When is the... The, the hunger, uh, the, the, when, it, when is the food supply it's, going it's to fail? It's about to happen, okay? And so it could be, get, could be next next week? I mean, how soon? It could be within between now and the election. How are we going to know when this actually okay, occurs? Well, right now, some of the crops have already been destroyed by the, uh, by the, uh, the chemtrails. <laughs> you, ought see, you ought to see what it's done to the stuff here. Yeah, we've that's nonsense, Paula. It. it eats holes through the leaves of the plants. I think those, those are, are bugs. bugs. <laughs> those are bugs. No, these are not bugs. We have no bugs out there. These are, this no is, bugs. See, you see the chemical on the plant of the leaf. Of Boy, the Paula, just imagine what those chemicals are doing to your brain. <laughs> Thanks know. for the call. And that's why you have to detox yourself. Thank you, Paula. Okay, we'll have some hemp oil here during the break and <laughs> make ourselves better. That was I think one of Paula has been that was having great. some hemp products tonight. <laughs> this uh, this whole chemtrail stuff is just nonsense. And, of course, it's absurd to believe that there's going to be some sort of food shortage. The fact is there are wonderful people in search of profit out there all around the world growing all manner of food products uh, in order to sell in the marketplace to eager consumers who are more than willing to pay reasonable prices to purchase them. Uh, to suggest that something is going to happen to change all that would have to be some sort of dramatic worldwide calamity. Yeah. More on the way, like nuclear holocaust. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, including the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just go and download them for free right there on the front page of the website. They're yours if you click free. At freetalklive.com. SACL CAI has a full-orbit approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. 
They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. So their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy. So your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 1-800-544-6359 for SACL CAI. We go right into the phone calls here. Talk to Kayleen in Massachusetts. Kayleen, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Toby. Sexy guys. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I just wanted to tell you that Matthew and I just made our move to New Hampshire. Awesome. Wait, why does it say you're in Massachusetts? Uh, because I, I, well, I said to the guy formerly of Massachusetts. Oh wow! <laughs> what part yeah, of New Hampshire? We just um, rented an apartment in Exeter. Oh, hang on, giving and, you some um, applause the, here, Kayleen. Actually, that deserves some applause. One moment here. There yeah. You go. So, Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Um, it actually um, happened sooner than we expected because uh, there was fire in our apartment building. Whoa! So we've been kind of homeless and bouncing here and staying with friends here and staying with, you know, friends here mm-hmm. and there for like the last three weeks. But uh, we found this great apartment in Exeter in a nice, quiet neighborhood, and um, we are moving in tomorrow. That's good news! So, that is so exciting. Just in time for two thousand eight. First one thousand pledge. Excellent. Uh, of course, the first 1,000 pledge, just for anyone uh, who doesn't know, is part of the Free State Project. Uh, Kayleen, you and your husband, uh, Matthew, have moved to New Hampshire now as part of the Free State Project, as I have done. Toby, you're a New Hampshire native, so yes. you couldn't move anywhere. Uh, but the, the Free State Project is a movement of 20,000 liberty-loving activists to come here to New Hampshire to get active for liberty, whatever that means, whether it means getting in, uh, into politics or doing something outside of the system, civil disobedience. There's all kinds of different ways to be an activist and you know nobody has nobody specifies to you what you should do all we want to know all we want is for you to come here and join the activism because it's so exciting kayleen what was it what was it that excited you about the free state project uh um being in one of the freest states and um working toward getting rid of what government is here i mean not eliminating it whatsoever but minimizing it what uh what in what ways are you more free now than you were a few days ago when you still lived in Massachusetts? Okay, well, let me tell you our story. There was a fire in our apartment building. Our apartment was not damaged. But um the city inspector, meaning the city bureaucrat, mm-hmm. uh said to our landlord, "Okay, um their apartment's fine." And my, our landlord said, "Okay, so can these tenants move back in?" And the city bureaucrat said, well, no. There's no other. Uh, there's no second escape. And they and my land. Our landlord said, "Yes, there is. They're on the first floor. There are three windows they could jump out of if, <laughs> if there's a fire." And uh, here's the city bureaucrat's words verbatim. Well, I'm not going to be the one that gets in trouble if something happens. Oh, please. So our, so our landlord went along with the city bureaucrat. And won't let us move back in. So absurd, because we all know that the city bureaucrat will not ever have to face any responsibility for something happening. They have sovereign immunity, and they're protected from any sort of uh, responsibility. Mm -hmm. Nonsense. Yeah. So uh, our landlord was playing along with him and being scared, and we have been, you know, bouncing here and bouncing there, staying with friends and acquaintances, Mm. and um, we're like, you know what? This is crap. We need to just move. 
I mean, it's so a great we excuse. Just got I mean, an apartment in Exeter, and um, we're totally excited. I think there are a number of people that are, you know, have been in similar situations. Maybe not necessarily involving a fire, but something unexpected happens in their life, mm-hmm. and you know, they have to move somewhere, and all of a sudden, there's a perfect opportunity created to move to New Hampshire sooner rather than later. Why not? Why wait? Yeah. I mean, why yeah. stay you in Massachusetts? What? I, that's what I said to Matthew. I said, you know what? This is a blessing in disguise. A now, blessing in disguise. Now, what is the tax situation like in Massachusetts compared to New Hampshire? Uh, as far as what? I don't know. Just in general. I mean, uh, obviously there's a... Uh, well, I, I mean, we, we're we just moving to New Hampshire, so I don't know about, like, the bureaucracy here. I'm sure, you know, it's uh, less. Now, are you still working in Massachusetts? You have to, are you going to yeah, have to commute? Unfortunately, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> so I still have to pay uh, tax Massachusetts state income tax, but um, eventually we're moving um, north, like, towards the Lebanon area. Oh, really? Yeah, so we'll be completely away from Massachusetts. Excellent. Well, at least now you can yeah. go shopping without having to pay that pesky sales yeah, tax. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is true. Though, so, uh, though, to to Massachusetts' credit, they do have a lower food tax as far as prepared food in restaurants. I think it's only five percent in Massachusetts eight. versus yeah, eight. Yeah, yeah, that was the thing that you know, Matthew. We we were just driving back down to. We're staying with some friends um, for the night um, in Massachusetts, in in the Boston area, and um, he just got a Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and he's like, "Oh, there was a tax there." And I said, yeah, it's a pretty high uh, food tax, not food tax, what do you call it, um, meal tax. Yeah, yeah it needs to go yeah, away. Yeah, meal tax. Yeah, New Hampshire like, is not perfect. There's a lot of work to said, be done. Yep. And Matthew just said, that's got to go. Yep. Said, Absolutely, that's got to go. And that's why you guys are go. here, to, to help Along make that happen. tax and everything else. I imagine we're going to be seeing you out at the Liberty Forum coming up here in Absolutely. another week or so. Absolutely, and if not that, pork fest. Great, yeah, you're going to Ports Fest this year, right? Oh, I would imagine we will. Yeah, yes. I'll be there. So uh, we'll look forward to seeing you at the Liberty Forum, and thanks for the call, and congratulations again on your move to New Hampshire. All right. Thank you. It's excellent news. 1-800-259-9231. I, just, I find that interesting because I think it really, it really helps paint a, a real-life picture of what it's like to move to New Hampshire. For some of our listeners that are out there saying, is this really happening? Is this really happening? People There's are more actually, moving in every day. Right. People are actually moving. I mean, here in the middle of winter, Right, <laughs> people are moving in. It's so good news, and it, it's going to get better, of course, uh, in the springtime. I know uh, Julia said her brother is planning on moving up in the springtime, and uh, awesome. I mean, there's all kinds of people that are making plans to come here, especially in this next year, because she mentioned the first 1,000 program, which is basically a thousand people of the 20,000 that are supposed to move to New Hampshire have pledged to be here in New Hampshire by the end of 2008. We've already crossed over the 500 mark, so we're well, more than halfway there to the first 1,000, which is great news. And that's excellent because. Because there's a lot of battles that are coming up um, in all different forms, but also in the legislative uh, session that we need reinforcements to battle mm-hmm. and get some laws passed backwards, scale the government back, but also hold them off. So the more, right. the merrier. Yeah, and the fact is, the more, the sooner, the merrier. Yes. I mean, there's if there's something that's if there's nothing holding you back, but you're just sort of waiting for no particular reason, then get up here. I mean, yeah. this is exciting times. And we, we've shown that small amounts of people can make real differences. We oh. Yeah. Held back the seatbelt. Um, they were going to make it mandatory to buckle up in New Hampshire, but with the help of a lot of free staters and revitalizing uh, uh, the live free or die spirit we already have here, was held back again. And I, are we the only state now that doesn't force people to buckle up? That is correct. There are still a handful of states that don't have mandatory driver's insurance, but we're, New Hampshire's the only one that does 
and four seatbelts. But we need to keep because they're tr- the big government people are battling trying to pass these right. laws. So we need reinforcements. Right. The fact is, big government people have been moving in here for years, and so. Uh, but, but the good news is, we are more active than they are, and oh, we're yeah. more effective than they are. So the more of us there are the better we'll be. 800-259-9231. We'll talk about the Liberty Forum here in moments and uh, maybe some corrupt cop stories and whatever you want to talk about. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Toby. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free. So enjoy the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Uh, You can see them. Uh, I think Kayleen is one of them. As a matter of fact, we just got off the phone with her. Go to shrine.freetalklive.com. And we haven't had a Shrine submission in a little while, so you've been holding out on us. Now's your opportunity. Yeah, they usually seem to come more than one at a time. Right, It'll be a while, strange. and then a few will all come at once. Yeah, it's like customers <laughs> at a retail store. That's how <laughs> yep. it used to be when I worked in retail. Like, you know, you'd be dead for hours at a time, and then all of a sudden, you know, a whole busload of people would come in. Uh, anyway, so head on over to sh- uh, shrine.freetalklive.com to take a look at that. The New Hampshire Liberty Forum has a proud history of supporting true hard currency. At the first forum, Dr. Ron Paul called for the restoration of constitutional gold and silver. This January, Bernard von Nothaus, the monetary architect of the Liberty Dollar, will join Ron Paul at the 2008 Liberty Forum. Register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. And use the code 2008FTL to save 10%. 2008FTL will save you 10%. Toby, you were there last year, right? And it was a lot of fun. If you want to go to a place where there's a high concentration of liberty activists, the best of the best out there, really is. this is the place to be. I you mean, know, I think the old um, one of, before the Liberty Forum came into existence, because this is only the second one ever, right. uh, before it came into the existence, I think there might have been a handful of conventions where Liberty people got together, like maybe the Libertarian Party, uh, maybe Freedom Fest out in Las Vegas. But really, I think this has really taken the cake as yeah. far as just the amount of real activists in the same place together. There just, were so many people last year, and I'm mm-hmm. sure it's going to be similar again this year. Well, the hotel's bigger, so they've expanded their cap- uh, their capacity, so I'm expecting to see even more people yeah. turn out this time. That's good news, because last time it was hard to get through. There were so many people there. <laughs> it was an amazing response. Uh, people had a blast. Of course, there's so many different speakers mm-hmm. and you know panels and things to get interactive with. Free Talk Live, we're going to be there broadcasting live three nights this year instead of the two nights we did That's last awesome. year. So uh, yeah, we'll Free be Minds there. TV will be there as well. You will. Excellent. Now, have you determined what in what form you'll be there? You just We're gonna just going to be doing interviews with people there. That's so a good idea. It's if you want to share way. your message about freedom, we'll be there and you can contact us. What I find really cool about the Liberty Forum is there's so many different things that make people passionate about freedom and there's something there for, for all of them. Whether yes. it be drug reform or taxes or just smaller government in general, there's Something there for everyone's appetite of freedom and liberty. Absolutely. And and also, the, I think one of the best parts about it is is being amongst those other uh, folks that mm-hmm. are that are also of, of like mind. Because if you've never been in an environment like that, and, and prior to the Liberty Forum, I'd been to like the Libertarian Party of Florida convention. Not the same. Not, <laughs> not at all. Well, you get people at the Liberty Forum are enthused. There's yeah. energy. There's Because uh, there's so many people around you, you think, wow, there's actually... 
There's hope for liberty in yes. this world. Now, yeah, there's <laughs> ideas that are flying back and forth. People are yeah. brainstorming with one another. They're going out there. They're, and one of the other neat things last year, and I don't know if this is going to happen this year, but I imagine it will, there was this alternatives expo that was going on. So somebody just came in there, this group of people, that they weren't satisfied with what the Liberty Forum was offering. And I'm pretty satisfied. I think it's a pretty great lineup. Right. But uh, they decided, no, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to take a couple hotel rooms and we'll have our own speakers speaking on completely different issues up in the couple hotel rooms so there was just like this alternative option that you could go and attend some real rebels there well it's really i mean (laughs) it was really a great example of uh, sort of the marketplace in action where somebody decided well this isn't good enough i'm going to improve on it and they offered something alternative to do right there in that same hotel only um, only amongst a group of libertarians (laughs) are you going to find that sort of activity it's amazing there really is something for everyone so it's not too late to get a good time yeah Looking forward to seeing you there. 1-800-259-9231. Let's, uh, let's go to an email from Andy, and we might get to the corrupt cops thing here in a bit. But Andy wants to uh, talk about spanking kids. All right. Now, normally, um, when Mark's on the show, he takes the pro-spanking position. And I'm not sure what your position is going to be, Toby, because I know that you work with kids for a living. Yes. And so I'm curious about this. You can tell me in a moment, but let's get, start with Andy's email. He says, over the past few weeks, I've listened to you both discuss the issue of raising children, and in particular, the issue of spanking them. As a father of three teenage kids, I thought you might be interested in the effects of raising kids both with and without what I've come to regard as an unwar- uh, unwarranted and unjustifiable, un- unjustifiable violence. Right from the moment I became a father 18 years ago, my life completely changed. The best way for me to describe the monumental change in thinking that occurred to me is that I was no longer the most important person in the world. This is, one fa- <clears throat> this is the one fact that neither you nor Mark can ever really understand until it happens to you. And uh, will be ha- will be happening to Mark here within the next three we- uh, three uh, months. One on the way. Now, don't get me wrong. He says, I love my wife with all of my heart, and I'm happily looking forward to growing old with her. But I would gladly die to protect any of my children. So why would I want to use violence on them for any reason? As a child, if I misbehaved, my mom would justify her violence on me, involving usually a smack around the legs or, for more serious infractions, a slipper on the bare backside, with the excuse, I spank you because I love you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't let you get away without punishment because, or I would let you get away without punishment because I wouldn't care. Even as a five-year-old, this made no sense whatsoever, and I remember vowing to my mother at a very early age that I would never hit my kids for which I got another smack. All of your callers have justified the use of physical punishment, because whenever we talk about this issue, it's always easy to find someone to call in to defend spanking. That one's always easy to do. Because I think most Americans accept it. Most Americans were raised that way, mm-hmm. and they think it's acceptable. He says that, uh, again, your callers, callers justified it uh, on young children to use this, uh, justify the use of physical punishment on young children is acceptable because they rationalize that the kids are too young to understand. This is total crap. If they are too young to understand the word no, how is it that they're old enough to understand pain and the word no? If a child is daring itself to touch a hot stove, all he needs uh, all he needs is for you to use all he needs for you to use is one word, burn. If you then hold his hand a little closer to the flame just so he can feel the heat, obviously nowhere near enough to cause actual pain. He has a physical reason to understand the word burn. For my children, the lesson never was, do that and I'll hurt you. But instead, touch that and it will hurt you. (laughs) Sometimes kids will do damage just to cause spite, and in these instances, the punishment is loss of privileges. For our toddlers, we had the naughty chair, which was in the corner of the living room and was exclusively for misbehavior. 
Over the time, this punishment became the naughty stare out of the living room, away from the TV, and out of our sight, and as they got older, the punishment became more creative. Whether it's the removal of a favorite soft toy or confiscating the PlayStation, the result is the same. Their misbehavior results in them losing for very uh, losing for very le- varying lengths of time something important to them as a consequence of their actions. Believe me, a 15-year-old girl soon learns the error of her ways when she's lost the contents of her makeup bag for a few days. <laughs> the groundwork for never having to hit your children is done before they reach the age of two. A caller a couple of nights ago, and this was more than a couple, but uh, explained that if he was bitten by his kids and they got bit back, is this not the libertarian principle in action? The same goes for pulling hair, pitching, or pinching, and a whole host of kid-inflicted torture. Kids' nature is to push the rules and boundaries as they grow up. In fact, I think it must be in their job description. But if you're consistent in the way you use punishment and you avoid temper tantrums in the supermarket because they've already found out that such things did not work for them at home. By now, you're possibly thinking that our kids are angels, and we've never had to deal with the type of kids that make parental control impossible. Not so. And that's the most typical uh, reasoning I hear from, from the supporters of spanking. Because I'll get on the air and I'll say, you know, parents really should be more creative. They need to to use what he's suggesting, and that is removing privileges and that sort of thing. And some people will just say, well, my kids are so bad, that stuff doesn't work. Well, it's hard for me to say because I'm not a parent, so I don't know what it's like exactly. Were you spanked? I was, I think, once when I was little. Um, okay, just I, once. Yeah, once, maybe twice. I don't remember being spanked, but I believe that I was once or twice. I think that there are definitely better ways to go about things, things that will work a whole lot better than spanking. Because when you're spanking kids, you're teaching them that hitting is the way to solve problems. And kids exactly. are very smart. I mean, they're they're learning machines. They're being programmed at this very young age. So if you're hitting them... What are you teaching them? And I, I think that in a lot of ways, the parents start to rely on it. And if you're relying too heavily on spanking, you're going to be utilizing a lot more and than ways that will actually teach your children something. Some of them say they don't, and I have no reason to disbelieve them. Some of them say it's only used as a last resort when nothing else is working. And if that's really true, then it's certainly better than the parent that goes to spanking first. No doubt about that. Uh, Andy has a few more thoughts on spanking. As a parent who's raised three teenagers without ever spanking them once, we'll find out what he has to say in moments. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Toby. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The feature's there. We give away. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, go shopping at the Free Talk Live store. Just head on over to store.freetalklive.com. Load up your shopping cart with all uh, kinds of great FTL-related merchandise, everything from our Free Talk Live lighter bottle opener combo uh, to DVD classic archive collector sets, free marketeer merchandise, as well as, of course, the expected T-shirts and hats and hoodies and that sort of thing. There's a special little deal, though, I need to alert you to. If you add a Free Talk Live T-shirt to your shopping cart and and you've got at least a T-shirt, a t-shirt in the shopping cart, we will send $10 to the Ron Paul campaign. That's awesome, and that is that might not be a bad way for someone who's living outside the country, maybe. To That's give, true. Get ten bucks to Ron Paul. It wouldn't actually be a campaign contribution from right. that person. It would simply be you buying some of our merchandise, and then our store manager 
choosing to give $10 to the Ron Paul campaign. So we're not violating any federal laws or anything like that. It's just we're selling merchandise, and we're going to send Ron Paul some money if you buy a T-shirt. Not a bad way to contribute to Liberty in a couple of different ways yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. So head over to store.freetalklive.com. Take advantage of that deal because it's done uh, within the next few days. End of the year, end of the deal. All right? Store.freetalklive.com. Andy in the United Kingdom has written in about spanking. And he takes this issue pretty seriously because when he was growing up, his mother was uh, was one of the parents, what types of parents that was frequently engaging in spanking him. And there was a point at which when he was a young child that he swore it off. He said, I, if I have kids, I'm never going to spank them. And I think that's admirable, especially someone who was taught that spanking is the right way to go. I think there's going to be a number of people that get spanked that will, you know, swear it away off. from it. Yeah. Well, well, that's good. So um, so now he's sort of telling us what his solutions have been as he's been raising, as he puts it, three teenagers. Uh, he said that, you know, when they were young, he would use sort of the go to the corner, you know, have a little special timeout zone mm-hmm. uh, where they would go to. And that's effe- that seems like it'd be effective because you're sort of, you're, it's a little bit of ostracism. Yeah, you, I know my parents would kick me out of the house. Really? <laughs> yeah, they'd be like, go go outside, get out what of my sight cold? for a while, put on a jacket. <laughs> So then he said that uh, it modified from there to include taking away certain privileges like, you know, a makeup bag for a teenage girl Mm -hmm. or a PlayStation or something like that. And I have to say that worked really well with me when I was uh, younger when my parents would take something away that I really enjoyed. They wouldn't allow me to access whatever it was. And I remember there was one particular time when I did something and I don't really remember what it was I did, but the punishment was I wasn't allowed to, uh, to use my video game consoles. And I thought I had my parents. I said, oh, well, I paid for those video game consoles, so you can't ban me from (laughs) using them. And I thought I had them, but then they pointed out that they pay for the power bill. Oh, ouch. (laughs) So they got me. Anyway, uh, he goes on. He says, now, he says, you're possibly thinking our kids are angels, and we've never had to deal with the type of kids that make parental control impossible. Not so. When he was a toddler, our youngest was the master of the full-blown tantrum. If he couldn't get his own way, he would try to bite, to stamp, to kick, and even run headfirst into the wall. But he never got his own way. Now, again, there's a, there's a set of people out there that, that engage in spanking. They claim they use it as a last sort of resort. And they claim that there are, certain, there are certain situations where the kids are so out of control that they feel, from what he's describing, this kid sounds like a similar kind of bad sort of um, situation mm-hmm. where the kid's just out of control. He says, we realized that his personality was one that could not back down. Even at the age of two, standing toe-to-toe with him meant that he had no chance in his own mind to back down. The solution was relatively simple, says Andy. We put him into his room and left him to calm himself down. Occasionally, he would trash some of his toys while left in his room, but we regarded that as better than damaging uh, damaging himself or us, and we never removed or replaced these items. So he's learning from it. (laughs) Right. Go ahead. Bash your toys to bits. You're not going to get new ones. (laughs) Right. The little boy that came out of that room when he had calmed down was remorseful, very loving, and a joy to spend time with. Over time, his tantrums disappeared. And now he's a typical 15-year-old. He still gets angry, but he knows when to take himself away from an argument, and he does. As I mentioned at the start of my email, we also have an experience of raising a child who'd grown up with excessive violence and beatings in her life. My niece had grown up in a mutual hate relationship with her mother. She was out of control. 
When you start trying to control a young child with violence and their behavior does not improve, there can only be an escalation of violence over the years. And I tell you, Toby, that is what I have seen. Mm-hmm. Not to say that I, I have you know been on the inside of many people's homes who have been spanking, but just from uh, working in retail and observing people and, and how they handle their kids, the way some people do it versus others... There is a certain type of uh, parent that is willing to escalate it to violence very quickly. Yeah, and it, it's what they know in a certain right. way. And they're a lot of the time they're using this spanking or hitting out of frustration, when instead of thinking of something creative thought. And it's it's a place where I can empathize and feel for the parents who are in that situation because they honestly don't know what else to do. It right. sometimes well, I wouldn't want to have to deal with that crap either, so I can <laughs> empathize with them too. Uh, one of the, probably one of the reasons I have a vasectomy, but my point here is that uh, you know these parents that resort to spanking, it seems like they resort faster and faster over time to spanking, yes. and and I don't believe them when they say that it helps because if your kid if spanking helps your kids behave better, why do you have to keep spanking them? Right. Why do they keep acting out? Shouldn't they have learned their lesson right. years ago? <laughs> Here you've got an eight year old or a ten year old that's acting out in the middle of the aisle at Kmart or whatever, and you're you're spanking them in front of everybody else. Yeah, and, and when are you gonna stop? I mean there's comes to a certain point where sure. the kids towering over you and if they're not learning at the young age, it seems like they're going down a, a one way street. Exactly. It just seems to build on itself and get worse. Worse and worse over time. Anyway, he says that uh, this this niece in particular had grown up in a very violent environment, uh, mutual hate relationship, and he says that by the age of 13, my niece was regularly beaten for skipping school, smoking, stealing, and to be honest, anything and everything. And as she started to fight back, it was only a matter of time before someone was seriously hurt. We took her in before this happened, and for the first 18 months, life for our family was hell. We got a call from the school because she was fall-down drunk. She stole from us, often skipped school, and had no idea how to respect herself or others. She expected us to punish her with violence, because that's Mm -hmm. what she was used to. And when we didn't, it really confused her. We took away her personal belongings for a period of time, removing all the posters from her room, her makeup, and favorite items of clothing. All of that eventually changed her behavior. By the time she was 15, her life had settled down and she was studying hard at school. We all realized she was never going to be a university professor and she left school at 16 and went straight to full-time work. Ten years after, she moved in with us. She's a married mother, a restaurant manager, and we are all fiercely proud of her, her achievements, and her family. I guess this email might be too long for you to read on your show. No, certainly not, Andy. It was very interesting, uh, great perspective, because normally when, when the spanking issue comes up, it's, it's a news item, right? It's some yeah. sort of news item that we'll, we haven't talked about spanking for a while, so we'll use it in the show prep and give us an excuse to talk about the issue, because it's, it's one of the good ones where we've got some conflict on the show. But I always ask for p- parents to call in. I mean, I almost beg for it. You know, parents... If you don't spank, call in and give us your techniques, give us your tips, give us your tricks. How do you do it? Because some of these parents claim there's no way they can avoid spanking their kids, and I don't believe it. It takes a lot of creative parenting, and uh, I think a lot of it has to do with time with parents. Some parents don't have the time or the energy. Who They've been working too hard to pay all the bills, and they come home, and it's right. all they can really think of to do. They've got this kid who's nagging them or doing something wrong, and they just want them to stop Give them some quiet, and mm. some people shouldn't be parents, and some people need to take the time, if they are parents, to really uh, get some creative parenting skills in there. I think that's a great point, that they you know, they don't feel like they have enough time, whereas 
these solutions he's pointing out aren't exactly incredibly time-consuming. I mean, yeah, it's going to take a little bit of time to go in and remove the posters from the walls of your kid's room or, or find their makeup box or whatever and, and remove that or unhook the PlayStation. But, I mean, we're only talking about a few minutes. Right. I mean, this is not a huge investment, but really they're just jumping to that. They're jumping to the violence. They're jumping to the initiation of force. And I, you know, after reading Andy's email... I'm still uh, firmly of, uh, in my position that spanking is completely unnecessary, and he's pointed out everything that I wanted to hear from a parent that has actually been through this with the bad kids that were acting crazy. Yeah, I'd, def- I'd have to agree. I'm not gonna. I don't want to demonize pe- uh, people who parents who are no, spanking their kids fair. a couple of times, especially since I haven't been in their situation. I haven't been in their shoes, but parents right. who are utilizing it as their primary tool. <laughs> That's a different story, and it's only going down the street that's violence will be get more violence. They're going to exactly. teach their kids the wrong things, and it's just not right. going to work. The, the, the uh, violence begets violence is that's pretty much an across the board rule. There's yep. no exemption just because it's your kid that uh, they won't get violent as a result of you getting violent with them. And this is at the the age of their life where they're learning everything about the world. Mm-hmm. You're teaching them how to interact with the world. Stay away from it. Take a deep breath. Take a break. Figure something out. Try Andy's techniques. There's got to be another way. Because there are people in this world with bad kids that have raised them without ever raising a hand to them. 800-259-9231. Hour number three is on the way. We'll talk the nanny state and whatever you want. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, you can bring up anything. Toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231. It is hour number three of the program, the live Christmas week edition. Uh, We're in here live. I don't know about the rest of the shows on the radio. Most of them either have fill-in hosts or are doing refeeds, but it's Ian here with you. And Toby. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away. Uh, All kinds of great stuff, all for free at freetalklive.com. We'll start things out this hour by talking about the nanny state. This from the Orange County Register, Gen LaGreca, or Jen, Genevieve, actually. Daniel Boone versus the nanny state. Today, October 22nd, marks the 273rd anniversary, obviously it's not October 22nd, of the birth of an American icon, Daniel Boone. I just thought this story was cute, and I wanted to share it. This death-defying adventurer uh, acts, acts, axed his way through the Appalachian Mountains to settle Kentucky and open the western frontier. Stamped across his rock-hard life is the trademark of America, the pioneer spirit to cross new frontiers and control one's destiny. Back then, people ran their own lives. Today, our vastly expanded nanny state looks after us. Is this a good thing? Imagine you're a pioneer of yesteryear. How would you fare with today's nanny on your back? As you prepare your covered wagon for journeying west, inspectors report that your wheels have failed to meet safety standards. (laughs) The canvas on your wagon is not fire retardant, and the yoke on your oxen could be harmful, not to you, to the beasts. Although you've traveled safely in the wagon before, you're slapped with fines and forced to correct the problems. You leave for your journey with a lighter wallet and a heavier spirit. When you reach your new town, you find that land isn't cheap anymore. See, the government took huge tracts of it off the market to preserve the wilderness. One of the townspeople sells you a plot at ten times what he paid for it. 
You learn that he was one of the council members who passed the law preserving the wilderness. He smiles to welcome you to town, but you have difficulty smiling back. And this is just so, I mean, really, this is so great. (laughs) It just shows how much change there's been in just the past couple hundred years. It's just overwhelming how much regulation we're subject to, how many taxes Mm -hmm. we're subject to, and and how sort of good old boy it all really is. Where, uh, you know, one of my favorite examples is here in New Hampshire, the... Uh, the law that mandates that people have to get a, uh, a hairdresser's license in order to, you know, do nails and yeah. people's hair and that sort of thing was passed by one of the uh, the uh, representatives. She brought this bill up. She happens to be the owner of one of the only schools, the beauty schools in the state of New Hampshire. Wow. I mean, this <laughs> kind of crap goes on all over the place. Anyway, continuing the story. You plant a crop only to learn that it's forbidden. The government decided that there was enough of it, and any more would lower the price. You find that your neighbors on the town council who passed this law are the folks who grow that crop. You also discover that some farmers produce no crops and get paid for their empty fields with your tax dollars. That goes on today. It's called farm subsidies. And many of those farmers that get subsidies are very, very wealthy corporations. You suppress your frustrations and search for a way to succeed. You enjoy making furniture, so you decide to open a shop. But wait! You must file permits with a dozen agencies. This means hiring lawyers and accountants, which you cannot afford, so you must give up your dream of starting your business. Now, in that one little paragraph, they really tell the story of so many Americans with with lost hopes and lost dreams americans who are you know living on the you know the edge of poverty they are they don't have a lot of wealth they i mean they're wealthy because they live in america right. and they can eat and they have air conditioning but but compared to others they don't have the same opportunities because in order to go into business for themselves they have to jump through all these bureaucratic hoops which you just can't afford if you don't have enough money to jump through. It's so hard. It's the government holding so many people back. Aren't it's hard to become an entrepreneur now. It's right. hard to start your own business. Not only do you have to go through all the licensure and all that, get all the permits, uh, bow down to the government folk and pay, uh, fill out all their paperwork, and then pay taxes, an exorbitant amount of taxes. It just makes me wonder how much uh, progress would have been made in America if we started out with these regulations. How far would None. we have gotten? I mean, you wouldn't have gotten anywhere. Because it's only in their recent history that we've really, really been getting these huge regulations on uh, businesses and on individuals and really stifling. How much more innovation would there be right now Good question. if these regulations were gone? So many more uh, poor people would have opportunities and doors open for them that they would have never have had, uh, that, that they don't have today because they have to jump through all the hoops. You can't run a business out of your house. You can't, uh, you, if you're going to open up your own business, as they're saying, you've got to ask permission from, mm-hmm. you know, mommy government as to whether or not you can. I mean, we want people to be entre- entrepreneurs. I, I do. Yeah, the government pretty much regulates everything right now. If if you want to sell something or make something or have a business, the government's going to be watching over it and taking a cut off the top. Well, that's one of the reason why. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing here. Um, this show, Free Talk Live. Back when I was younger, uh, and a little more naive about all the regulations out there, I thought it'd be really cool to own my own radio station. And, you know, this was a decade ago Mm -hmm. or something like that. And so I started looking into it. I thought, well, you know. How hard could it really be? I mean, it's pretty basic technology. Well, yeah, the actual functioning portion of the station is not that difficult. I mean, 
yeah, you know, it's probably a good idea to hire an engineer to put it all together, but, you, you know, you've got your CD players or your computers or whatever it is you're going to use for the audio generation, and then that goes through an audio chain, and it goes to the transmitter and out over the airwaves. So you have to spend the money to buy the hardware, but that's mm-hmm. not that big of a deal. But it is a big deal when you look at the FCC requirements for starting a radio station. Yep. You first have to get a engineering survey done. So you have to hire an FCC-approved engineering firm, and there are only so many of those. So yep. the you know there's a limitation on how many of them there are. Therefore, they get to charge a whole lot of money. So you pay through the nose for this engineering firm study. Of course, you also have to send an application to the FCC to... Uh, Basically, to apply for apply a construction apply. permit. Right. And that's not cheap either. The application fee is thousands and thousands of dollars. And so that doesn't guarantee you anything. No, it, it guarantees a, that they'll look at your application. All right. Uh, which they can absolutely reject out of hand, and then the next time you have to send another application fee in. So, and, and then on top of that, there are certain windows that the FCC will open. The FCC will have, uh, they'll have, most of the time the windows are closed, where they're not accepting any new applications at all. So, so you, the, even if you wanted to, you couldn't, and you had all the money in the world, you that's couldn't correct. even start a radio Exactly. Station. It's that restricted. And so as I started learning more about this, I just was completely disenchanted and disheartened uh, with the idea of owning my own station. I knew if there was, a, if it were to ever be something I would do, it would have to be pirate radio, uh, you know, because I looked into le- the legitimate version, mm-hmm. and it was just cost prohibitive. And is this because all the different t- uh, stations on the dial are all used up or something? Nope. <laughs> do, totally. we need, do we need the FCC to be regulating stations of static? <laughs> and again, this is just one example. This is the radio world. There's yeah. completely other rules for every the restaurant part of business, life. for plumbing, for whatever you want to, you know, whatever business you want to bring up, the government has gotten its nose in. Anyway, back to our little story. Again, we're going west, Toby. So, you got another jolt. Now, this is after you've given up your dream of starting your own business, the tax bill. You discover that your nanny demands a big piece of you to fund the agencies that are busy running your life. You're just starting out, but you feel drained. The promise of a new life has vanished. So you're, you're just on your land trying to grow some vegetables, and you're hit with a tax bill just for living there. In time, you learn to play the game. You join the town council to build government instead of furniture. You work in a blacksmith's shop where you do a lousy job, but you get a law passed that forces your boss to pay you more than you're actually worth. Your wife cuts the townswoman's hair. She worries about losing customers to a new haircutter, but you get the council to enact a law requiring any new haircutters to complete 500 hours of instruction and pay a hefty fee for a license. This protects the public from unsafe haircuts. (laughs) Despite your maneuverings, you feel no joy. Your life is no longer in your control, but depends on the arbitrary whims of the council. You've lost the confidence and drive you once had when you started out. You become fearful and conniving. The town has destroyed you. What happened in this hypothetical town is also happening in our country. Once we lived by our own efforts, now we demand government entitlements. Once we respected the rights of others, now we pass laws to tax and control everyone. Once we reined in government to unleash individual freedom, now we rein in the individual to unleash state power. Once we were pioneers sprinting toward the American dream, and now we're distressed travelers caught in a maze called the nanny state. The nanny state is the antithesis of America. It violates a person's right to act freely and instead compels him to follow the state's diktats. It corrupts the citizens by giving some groups unearned benefits at the expense of others. It corrupts officials by giving them unchecked power to dispense favors, to make or break lives, to control entire industries, to confiscate property, and to redistribute wealth. It anesthetizes the people to its unbridled power by telling them they'll be taken care of, as if trading freedom for dependency were desire. 
uh, were desirable. More on the way. This is your show. Bring up anything. How is the nanny state ruining your life? This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Toby. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features, they give away. And if you like the show, uh, you want to help support Free Talk Live, there's lots of ways you could do that. And one of them is by shopping with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. So head on over there, amazon.freetalklive.com. 800-259-9231. I asked the question before we went away a moment there about, you know, how is the nanny state ruining your life? We just read sort of a creative little story uh, talking about, uh, from the Orange County Register, talking about how, hypothetically, you are a pioneer heading west. What would it be like if we had the same nanny state that we have today back then? With all of its regulations and silly rules and nonsense that it forces us all to obey. Yeah, we'd be behind in the times if it had been uh, the state had been around like it is today back then. We wouldn't be third have progressed. World. We'd yeah. be third world. We wouldn't have been able to have the innovations that make us as rich as we are. Right, and uh, the the end of the article here says that you know the state, the government, it anesthetizes the people to its unbridled power by telling them they'll be taken care of, as if trading freedom for dependency were desirable. It uses the chilling weapon of the police state, force, to impose its edicts. Today's nanny concocts a bitter brew of hundreds of alphabet soup agencies to regulate our lives. How many modern pioneers are choking at this campfire? It's, I'm just amazed that people are still out there uh, persevering and uh, becoming entrepreneurs with the way that it's... It's so this, hard. It's so hard. And how much further can they go until people stop? Well, they'll keep going. Uh, the, the state doesn't care. I mean, it just wants to confiscate wealth and do as it pleases with it. So it will continue to increase in its mm-hmm. size and increase in its scope and its intrusiveness into our lives until the economy grinds to a halt. You know, it's either that's going to that's going to be what happens, or uh, you know, the state's money system will crash and burn first, and then the economy will be screwed as a result of that. So yeah, it's not sustainable. Either right, either way, it's a lose lose proposition. As long as the government continues in the direction it's going. We will all suffer uh, ever, ever more in the long run. And, and I asked the question about, you know, well, how's the state ruining your life? Well, I, I don't know if that was really the right question to ask because everyone has to consent to this, right? I mean, if everybody didn't consent to at some level or another, you know, oh, I have to get a business permit. Okay, I'll mm-hmm. go out and do that. Oh, I've got to get this permit to paint my house a new color. I'll go out and do that. If everybody didn't consent, then the government would have no power. Because, right. yes, it's true that they do have police, and they're scary, and they've got guns, and certainly they're not afraid to use those guns to enforce their edicts. So I understand that. I understand why people obey. I do. Uh, I mean, when I was uh, down in Florida, I didn't pull many permits from the, the upgrades I did to my house, but there was one that I couldn't get away with. I, had to, I was filling in a... Uh, there was a ditch out in front of my house, and I wanted to fill it in so I could make a new parking area. Mm-hmm. With that sort of level of activity, you know, a code enforcer is going to spot you and yeah. jump on you. Um, so I, I pulled the permit for that one. But otherwise, I tried, tried my best to avoid doing any sort of business with the government uh, if, I, if I could. Well, it'll just cost you money if you do, and, and maybe you won't even get that permit. I mean, you have to ask permission. Oh, and they then... give you the permits as long as you pay them. Well, in some for case, the most part. for the most part, sometimes though they 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 might deny. They yeah. might find something else that you have to do. Maybe you have to put on a wheelchair ramp or something. Sure. So, uh, so my point here is that 
if more people refused, the government would have less power. The yeah. government has its power because of the consent of the governed primarily. The guns are scary, but they can't shoot everybody, and they can't put everybody in jail. The it's problem just not is possible. we have to do it all at once if we're going to do that. Right. Because if just a few people do it, well, you're just going to suffer the consequences of government. And yet the consequences, if there's only a few of them, are real, and they really are there. That much is true, and certainly the state will make examples of people to prove that the consequences yeah. are there in order to scare people into submission. And that's why I think that we've got such a good thing going on here in New Hampshire, Toby, with the Free State Project, with all of these wonderful liberty activists moving up here in order to get active for freedom. I understand some of them want to approach things from a political perspective. They want to get elected into office, and they want to get in there, and they want to, you know, they want to get rid of these regulations. They want to abolish that, and that's great. And I think that they should do that. And I think that there's, that's a fine path to take. It's just, it's a slow one. It's not going to happen quickly. You've got to get elected, and then you've got to get the laws play the repealed. Game. Right, you got to play the game. And uh, I, I think that a faster path would be a path of civil disobedience if we could get more people on board with it. But that's the tricky part, is getting people to, to be willing to stand up and refuse mm -hmm. the, uh, the orders of the state. Uh, well, it is happening. Uh, more and more people are so, just sort of checking out and living their life as if they are, were already free. They are, but it's, there's no coordination behind it. Right. Uh, so More and more people moving in, though. We, we may right. just see something. I think you're right about that. I think that the more people move in here, and we're seeing, we live in Keene, New Hampshire, it's the southwest corner of the state. We are seeing a little bit more of a civilly disobedient crowd moving in this direction, and I think that's a healthy thing, to have more of the civil disobedience people together in order to help um, back each other up. Because, you know, for instance, paying property taxes. I wish I didn't have to, but I don't really own my house. The bank does. Mm -hmm. So if I don't pay the property taxes, then a lien gets put, put on the house. And even if I paid off my mortgage, then the government would have first claim on it. So, but you know, I, I, there's only so much disobedience you can do with the system that we have today. How many way. people would it take, though? I, like, it's that funny numbers game. How many right. people do you need to agree to stop paying their taxes in order to protect yourself? Exactly. And, and the way the state has things set up is, uh, you know, it has certain individuals in the business world sort of be doing their dirty work for them, like business owners holding back your tax dollars from your paycheck. Mm -hmm. As far as I know, that's just done because that's the way it's always been done. I don't know if there's actually any mandate that business owners must withhold taxes for their employees. It's just sort of the way things are done. I'd love to see a business owner just refuse to participate in that and pay their employees what they're worth and then tell the employees that, hey, it's your responsibility. If you want to go and pay taxes to the federal government, go right ahead. Mm -hmm. Here's your full paycheck. You've got it all now, and it's it's up to you to to pay taxes if that's what you want to do. Well, I think that'd be a, that something would be something that could work. Great, and that would also make people really realize how much money they're losing every right. out of their paycheck. Because right now you get your paycheck and it's how much you get. I mean, they sometimes write how much was taken out of your paycheck, not always, but if you're actually writing a check to the government every month for how much money is taken out of your paycheck, and you're actually going to see, wow, how much more could I do with this money than the government's doing with it? 
But the problem is most business owners aren't going to go out on that limb because they're in business to make money and they're in business to, to run their business on into the future. They don't want to risk themselves in IRS prosecution as a result of making a stand for liberty. They want to you know do their business and live a happy life. So very few of them are willing to step out on that limb. Mm-hmm. The only time I think we're going to see business business people really take a stand is when the entirety of their business has been threatened. There's a guy who uh, who I've been trying to get in touch with. I don't know if I'll ever be successful. I left him a phone message and an email, and that's as far as I go, because I'm not going to bang down somebody's door to get him on the show. But I'm told that there's going to be a law coming up here in Illinois in 2008 that's going to be banning smoking from statewide, basically, everywhere. Not outside, but uh, public places, essentially, businesses. Yep. And there's a guy that owns a cigar shop. He's going to be out. That's of, what his business right. is people based come, on. People come there to smoke cigars in his shop. His business is going to go under as a result of this. So now that he really has nothing left to lose, he's willing to make a stand and invite people to his cigar shop to violate the law in his shop. He will refuse, He's going to refuse to pay the fines, as I understand it. That's what really needs to happen. But unfortunately, that's a bad situation, too. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever's, you, uh, whatever's on your mind toll free at 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll free line. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, once again, that's freetalklive.com. By the way, some of those features include the bulletin board system with over 300,000 posts for you to surf around through, all completely free at BBS. .freetalklive.com Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does that bother you? It bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. So we're talking about the situation in this country when just there's just so much regulation. There are so many rules, so many laws, so many hoops to jump through if you want to start your own business, for instance. Mm-hmm. And the way it's set up is really, I mean, really, it's ingenious on the part of the, the government people because they've gotten everybody into this position where businessmen have started their businesses for the purposes of offering a product or service to the public, not for the purposes of protesting. Business people don't want to put their live livelihoods on the line. They've got families to feed, right. too. So you can't, I mean, it's easy for us to sit here on Free Talk Live and say, well, we think you businessmen should stop withholding taxes. We think you should, you know, do this and that. Uh, because we're we're not in the same position as they are, so it's easy for us to sit here and sort of uh, Monday morning quarterback them. But they're in such a, a, a precarious position because I'm sure there are a number of liberty-loving businessmen out there that would love to engage in these sorts of activities, but they understand that if they're the ones that step out of line first, they're going to get targeted by the government. Sure. The government's going to come in there, and like, for instance, with the guy with the cigar bar in, in Illinois – uh, you know, let's say there was a way to modify his business to where he could stay, where he could stay open. You know, have people go outside, that sort of thing. Yep. Uh, the guy running the cigar bar, he would, you know, could modify his business, or he could stand up and refuse to participate, which is what he is actually planning on doing because he's going to go out of business anyway. But he could stand up and refuse to participate, and as a result of that, he'll be targeted. They're going to fine him. He won't pay the fines. As a result of that, they're probably going to come after him with a, you know, a goon squad to arrest him as a result of not paying those fines. 
then how's he going to open his business the next day if he's under arrest, if his employees are, are facing threats? I mean, the employees are going to drop right off the face of the map if they, they feel like they're going to be right. you know fined because they're not making a whole lot of money. They're just regular employees. So once he drops off the map, then his other competitors have, uh, you know, they've got all the customers now, so they don't have to get out there and stick their necks out. This other guy's sticking his neck out. Nobody has an incentive to join together and refuse to participate in this government tyranny. And it would take a lot of coordination and a lot of cohenes from a lot of different people. I mean, it's it's not easy because we've seen what happens when people do stand up like this. Right. Time after time, the government targets them, shuts them down, and ruins their lives. I think that uh, even though we've seen what happens, we are starting to see a shift. As you mentioned, Toby, there have been some really exciting things going on here in New Hampshire with some civil disobedience. It's not business-style civil disobedience. It's personal-style civil disobedience. But maybe that's where it has to start. Yeah, maybe it's, it's an advertising to business owners, too. Like, look, you can stand up. You, you can dissent. You can, there's people here, liberty-loving people who are with you. So right. enough of us band together and do it. Maybe we can get somewhere. I'm thinking maybe if it starts on sort of a, a small personal level like we've been seeing where people here in New Hampshire, just a handful at this point, have they've uh, refused to get a driver's license, for instance, and they've gone and, and driven, uh, they've refused to get a, a, a beauty permit license, and they've gone out and given, you know, a nail file, and for, or they've filed someone's nails in front of the government bureaucracy. There have been some very interesting examples of that. Maybe that's where it needs to start. Maybe it needs to be sporadic here and there and here and there, and people, uh, individuals refusing to participate, like Lauren Canario, one of our friends here in New Hampshire, who was, uh, whenever she gets arrested, she's, uh, she's non-cooperative. She doesn't really resist the police, but she doesn't help them. She doesn't right. walk from point A to point B. She forces them to carry her to carry her as a result. And these are the sorts of things that are you know, really frustrating to the bureaucrats because they're not wor- used to this. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know what to do. So if more of that stuff starts to happen, then maybe it'll somehow coalesce into, again, not that there will ever be a central control. There won't because that's just the way the movement is here. Mm-hmm. Each individual has their own goals and their own things that they want to achieve. But maybe once it starts to happen more on a personal level, someone will get the idea to go ahead and stick their neck out on a, you know, on a business level, knowing that there are enough supporters in the area that will come to back them up You know, in that – you know, let's say that there's there's a smoking ban here in New Hampshire that was passed last year. So let's say one of the the bar owners here in town decides, you know what, I want the business from the smokers, and he decides to say, you know, come on in, come on into Joe's bar. You can smoke all the cigarettes you want to, and we're not going to pay the fines. You won't have to pay the fines because I don't think they can find the smoker in New Hampshire yet. Yeah, I, I think, think it's only the, the business, business owner. owner. So the business owner could refuse to pay the fines, and then that could result in some sort of, uh, you know, if the government came after him and arrested him, that could result in protests. That could result in fully informed jury association outreach outside of the courthouse. I mean, there could be all sorts of things that would that could happen around that person who decided that individual who decided to just say no to the government. These, I mean, there could really be some amazing things that would occur, but it's going to take some courage. It's going to take someone to have that courage to stand up and do that. Yeah, and I think that they're going to need to know that they are supported. They're not going to be alone in this. So it's, I think it's really great to have the smaller people like Lauren Canario and like people like advertising, like, look, there, there's people here that will stand up and support you for this if you go out and do it so that they're not alone in the world. So exactly. I, I know that there is some kind of 
a paradigm shift that's happening. And the more government grows, the more people it's going to start to tick off. There's going yes. to come a point where people are say enough is enough. And you're right. the way it's going, it's growing bigger and bigger every day. Eventually, it's going to backfire. I think you're right. I, I like the, uh, you know, the term you use, paradigm shift. People are starting to see it. People are starting to move in our direction. They're, they're starting to understand liberty. And, of course, the more we talk about it, the more, uh, the more it gets uh, attention in the news. I mean, here in Keene, New Hampshire, where we live, there's all kinds of different liberty media outlets. We've got television shows, your show, Free Minds TV at freemindstv.com. People can see what that's like. People are watching that show. Yep. Uh, there's my show, which is now on the radio here in Keene on Saturday nights, Free Talk Live. We've got a newspaper run by Free Staters. So there's definitely... You know, the message yep. is getting out there. Mark's I, got a show. Right. Uh, Mark, our co-host, has his own show. It's a weekly news show. So, and, and this is just the beginning. You know, there are going to be more people coming in, more activity, more po- political activity, but also more outside the system stuff. And I think that as time goes on, you're right. People are going to shift away from believing that the government's there to protect them to understanding that the government is putting them in danger, that it's the government that's impoverishing them, that it's the government that is, uh, is, is making their lives less uh, happy and less wealthy than, than they could be. So I think you're right. We're going down the right road. And let's go to the phones, talk to you, see what you think. Uh, let's go to Sam in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Toby. Hey, guys. Hey, Sam. Uh, Toby, I disagree with you that it's takes that it would take organization to kind of change things. I think the Ron Paul example, or the Ron Paul campaign is a perfect example of that, how it's kind of decentralized individuals doing things on their own. Well, I, I, I'm sorry if I meant to say that it takes organization. I don't think it'll take organization. I think it'll take people seeing other people doing it. What I think that what gets people enthused about the Ron Paul revolution is seeing all these other people who are enthused about the Ron Paul revolution. Hmm. I think it's kind of... It, after reading uh, or listening to the audio book, Ian, that you put together, that was fantastic. Did you listen to I'm the whole thing already? To, uh, I'm on my second way through it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the so, Market yeah. for Liberty, by the way. You can download it. It's a free audio book. Uh, go to book.freekeen.com, and you can get it there. That's Keen with two E's on the end of it. I should really set up the other free Keen to make sure it points to the right place. Anyway, I'm sorry. Though, Ian, can you actually say just private property the normal way? What, what do you mean? Every time you say it in the book, you're like, it's private property. Yeah, I don't recall that, but uh, okay. okay. You put a huge accent on it. It's kind of funny. But it, uh, you did read it in a way that's really engaging and keeps people interested. I think you mean public property. There, there's, public uh, property, yes. Right, right. There are certain um, sections of the book that are in quotes, and so you'll hear me inflect differently when uh, something is in quotes, and it's usually some sort of collectivistic concept like public property. And so, yes, I, I sort of uh, deride it and uh, sneer at it when I, uh, when I say those words. They kept it amusing. Uh, so going back to the topic, two things that I've done or uh, allegedly done. Uh, one time I was at a jewelry store just getting modification to a piece of jewelry. The guy was writing out the ticket, and I said... Allegedly, hey, um, you know, I'll pay you in cash if I don't have to pay sales tax. So he just scratched it out right on the receipt and said, "Sure." That's awesome. You know, he handed hey, we... me the receipt with the sales tax scratched out on it. Awesome. I know you've got more, Sam. We'll bring you back. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your calls. If you make them now at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. 
That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. You like the show? You want to help support Free Talk Live? My house is for sale down in Florida, <laughs> and I'd like you to buy it. Or maybe someone you know that is looking for a house in Florida, looking for an excuse to, I don't know, retire early, uh, get a vacation home, primary home, whatever. Uh, it's minutes away from the beach. You can go to house.freetalklive.com and take a look at all the details. Just 159000 dollars for a three two very beautifully remodeled and uh it's got a soundproof studio it's where this show used to be made awesome so. beautiful weather down there i just got back so <laughs> well it's beautiful if you like it hot uh, and certainly some people do so head over to uh house.freetalklive.com we go back to sam in texas sam you're back on with ian and toby so another example i think is pretty easy for people to do uh after the ron paul tea party we went to dinner down there in freeport texas and my meal came out to about $13 and change, so I offered to barter my meal for an ounce of silver bullion. Hmm. And the, at first, the lady was like, well, what is this? So I explained, you know, it's, it's silver. It's worth about 16 bucks or so. And so she took it back. One of the other waiters saw it, and he's like, man, I really want it. And he was talking about it. And eventually, I think the owner or the manager saw it, just couldn't thank me enough for what was happy as could be to accept it as barter for my meal, number one, hmm. and was happy as could be that I gave this to him. And he said, this is going in my coin collection. Thank now, you. Now, where does one get an ounce of silver bullion from? I bought about 50 uh, ounces in silver rounds off of eBay hmm. for, uh, I think, 800, around 800 or so. So wow. there's different places. You can also go to coin shops. What did you, how did you leave the easy. tip? Uh, well, I just what I did was just gave him the... I, I bartered. It wasn't like I was paying with FNR notes or doing some kind of exchange for them. I was bartering for my meal for an ounce of silver. Do you see the distinction? No, no, I see what you're saying, but what about the waitress? I mean, was she supposed to get paid from the owner? Well, I, I don't know how they worked that out. Uh, what I told the waitress was, is if you want, you could accept this and then buy it out of your own, you know, funds from your own pocket, pay my tab, and then you keep the, the silver bullion. Yeah, that doesn't sound like something many waitresses are going to do. <laughs> well, I, I love paying in silver. I know that um, I've, I've, there are some people in the free state offering different services uh, mm-hmm. for the papers and stuff that I've paid in silver bullion before, and it's kind of, it kind of makes you feel good to actually pay in and out of silver. It's, it's a lot of fun. These are great ideas. I mean, these are simple, easy, sort of outside-the-system things that one can do, and relatively anonymously. I mean, there's no real way to trace any of this stuff. There's mm-hmm. no real way to get caught. And you're not doing anything wrong, either. I mean, you're offering... Uh, there's nothing illegal about bartering in, in the American economy, or the uh, according to the federal government, as I understand it. So the things you're suggesting there aren't necessarily wrong, although I guess... With the uh, when you gave the example of the guy in the jewelry shop, you said yeah. You'd... Now there, I think you could get in trouble. That's why it was allegedly the events that took place. <laughs> <laughs> well, now could you get in trouble, or would it be him that would get in trouble? You know the bureaucrats; they find a reason to get us both in trouble. Yeah. Okay. True. True. That was where getting... you uh, you had given a allegedly given a jewelry shop owner some cash off the books uh, for for one of his products, right? Well, I just offered to pay cash so that he wouldn't have to pay sales tax. That's exactly how I put it. I said, I'm happy to pay in cash if you don't want to pay sales tax. And he smiled and scratched it out. So allegedly. he just sort of moved the inventory without ringing up the sale? Was that how that worked? Well, I was bringing in a piece for repair, or not repair, but to add a link to extend it. I see. Um, so I guess he just did it 
I'm not sure what he did. And that'll benefit both because you won't have to declare that money and pay additional taxes on it. You won't have to pay your sales tax. So it's a, it's a really a win-win situation. Great exactly. suggestion, Sam. Did you have any others? Uh, well, I can tell you about some regulations that I've run into that seem ridiculous. Okay, sure. I, uh, I'm doing a injection mold, plastic injection mold part. Send a quote off online. Uh, just because you know they fill out the form, I'm a privacy advocate. I'm not going to give them information that they don't need, so mm-hmm. I didn't fill out my address because they weren't shipping me anything. Well, that has held, held up the quote for two days, hmm. and I finally found out why they need my address. It's so they can uh, keep all this information for Homeland Security. What are you so buying? I, I'm, I'm, I'm an inventor, right? Uh-huh. So I've invented this component. It's a little in plastic injection mold part. Okay. And I've sent them the design, but they will not even quote it without having my physical address where they could, you know, send men with guns. Jeez. Well, you know, most people can be easily fooled by a private mailbox, Sam. I know you're probably going to be moving to New Hampshire one of these days, so it's probably not worth getting yeah, one I'm of those. Yeah, I'm worried about it. But, but I, I'm a huge advocate of private mailboxes. Um, you can go to a, you know, a UPS store, a PacMail, or, or whatever your local shipping shack is, and uh, you can buy a mailbox. It looks like an apartment when you write it down. They, you know, they tell you you're supposed to put PMB for private mailbox and then the, mm. you know, pound sign and then whatever the number is. So, um, but, but you don't have to. When you're yeah. writing things down or when you're giving somebody an address, you just say, well, I live here, number 313 or whatever. Then you just put the little pound sign there. That way it looks like it's an apartment number, but that's, of course, not at all what it really is. And I've been able to fool every everybody from, I mean, the, the uh, Florida state government to the federal government with that one. So, nice. yeah, I now, h- the, highly recommend that. On the flip side, I've, I'm getting some logo work done and branding work done. I put a proposal together, a request for a proposal, on this website that sends it out to thousands of developers in China who all read the requirements, submit their designs to me. I told them, you know, I'm going to pay this amount for this design. And I've gotten back just the most fantastic stuff. When I'm doing a corporate RFP, there's all kinds of rules that, you know, if you give one party one thing, you have to give it to all parties and all kinds of other things about internal communications. I've got none of that to worry about. And it really Hmm. is giving me, I think, an advantage that I wouldn't have if I was following all the rules. As many as many rules as you can break, do it uh, because it gives you the advantage and it it helps keep more of your money in your pocket. It gives you more time as well, so I I highly recommend it. And uh, you know, try to cut as many corners as you possibly can when it comes to dealing with the government. There's no reason to jump through their hoops if you don't have to. And that was it. Great call, Sam. Thanks for making it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And by the way, with the uh, the the private mailbox idea. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with, with with giving governments your private mailbox number. If they ask you something or they get suspicious, you just say, Well, I'm homeless right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm transit I'm transitory. Not a know? bad idea. I'm staying at a friend's house or whatever, I could be going somewhere else, I might be moving soon. Well you can all you know, you don't ever have to nail it down with them. You can always say, I might be. You know, right. oh, well, I might be moving soon. I might, I'm only visiting here temporarily. I'm not sure, or I'm not sure how long I'm going to stay. As vague as possible. Yeah, try to be as vague as possible. And, and of course, it's better if you don't talk to them at all. But uh, anyway, I'd highly recommend that for people. 800-259-9231. We go to Gene in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hello, Gene. Hi, guys. Uh, it's a pleasure to uh, listen to you tonight. Hey, what's on your mind? I uh, heard you talking earlier about uh, getting the people into the streets to uh, change the laws. 
you know, if you had enough people uh, that have enough understanding that you could get enough big enough group to change things, you'd have enough people to uh, get somebody into the legislature, more than likely. I would imagine you would, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, the other comment I had was on, uh, you had mentioned something about uh, what uh, the early Americans would have thought if they had to deal with government mm -hmm. that we have today. I was in front of the county commissioners here in Montana a while back, and, of course, uh, everything's totally regulated to death in all, most counties nowadays because of the financial funding that the federal government provides. Mm -hmm. But I was talking about all the rules and regulations there were, and I covered quite a bit, and then I said, uh, uh, gentlemen, can you imagine our forefathers as they were sitting on the other side of the Mississippi or the Missouri River, sitting there, and then some bureau cat crap came up and said, well, you can't cross over unless you have a permit or you have to have a water permit <laughs> or you have to have a beach permit uh, and a crossing permit. And uh, there was silence. And then uh, I hit him with the big one. I says, uh, and, and think about this. Can you imagine the environmental impact statement they would have had to fill out for the Oregon Trail. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that kind of drives drove the point home, and I use that a lot, and it, it kind of brings it home as to uh, how much progress is made where people are left to their own devices and right. their own creativity rather than putting everybody down on the same level. Yeah, you can't make progress if you're constantly having to jump through increasingly difficult hoops with more and more, you know, fees and mandates and taxes, and it's just impossible to get anything done these days unless you've got a team of lawyers and oodles of cash. It's disgusting. Yeah, well, you have to cover your butt with lawyers if you do anything that's... Uh uh, that's going to create any kind of an impact. It at all. shouldn't have to be that way. Gene, thanks for the time, man. We're out thanks of it for, for tonight. Being here, yep, it's been Ian here with you. And Toby. Back tomorrow for the live Saturday edition of the program with Gardner Goldsmith. See you then. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.